Welcome to episode four. I decided on the title Diastasis Dumbed Down for this one. Not to insult anyone's intelligence, of course, but there's been an explosion of awareness around the space between the ab muscles combined with a lack of understanding, which, as we all know, often leads to fear and overwhelm. I can't help but hear my nearly five-year-old saying over and over, why, 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 but why? And I wanted this episode to help answer your diastasis whys. Diastasis rectus abdominis isn't so scary when you understand it. And I knew Munira Hudani would be a great guest to help discuss this with me. Munira is a fellow pre and postnatal Canadian physiotherapist who has really immersed herself in diastasis. After years of frustration and landing inconsistent results with her clients, she's taken a deep dive into the research to better understand and tweak her approach for better outcomes. She's now committed to transferring this knowledge to both patients and professionals. In this episode, we'll cover what diastasis actually is, why it's a part of pregnancy, what to focus on in the early postpartum period, and how to progress. Then finally, we'll touch on why some women may choose to have surgical intervention. Now, sit back and enjoy, but only sit back in a way that doesn't cause doming. I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Pelvic Floor Project. I'm your host, Melissa DeSalles, a physical therapist in Kelowna, BC, Canada, and founder of Mummy Berries, an online platform to support pregnant and postpartum women. I'm here because too many women fear their body during pregnancy and then feel let down by their body after baby, and I want to help change this. My goal with this podcast is to take my personal experience as a mom of two, my knowledge as a PT, and everything I've learned from my clients, and then sit down with other professionals, not only to provide you with evidence-based information, but maybe, just maybe, spark some changes by bringing our professions together. I'm confident we can make some headway if we come together to look at women holistically. I'm curious to see what changes this project will make in my community, and I look forward to have you join me on this journey. A reminder that content in this podcast is intended as general information only and should not be considered medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now, sit back and relax while you listen. I know this will be difficult for you because you have 3,450 things to do, but I challenge you to put yourself first during this episode. Okay, awesome, Munira. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It is, it's uh, such an important topic and I'm really excited to be able to talk to you about it. Yeah. And so number one question, very important question. What do you say? Diastasis or diastasis? Yeah, it's it's funny because I say diastasis, but you know when you're around people that will say diastasis, sometimes I find find myself saying diastasis, and I'm like, where where did that come from? Did it roll off as nicely? Yeah, I'm easily you know adaptable, Uh, but for now I I still say diastasis. So do I. I totally do too. I'm curious to know. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to chat with you because I know that this topic is starting to get a lot of mention, which I think is great. It's also bringing a fair amount of fear. And I think that you do a really good job of 
I always say dumbing it down. I think because at the end of the day, when, when there's confusion, I think sometimes that brings fear. And I really wanted to use this time for people to just understand it and therefore maybe fear it, fear diastasis less. And I'm curious to know like what brought, I, I definitely became interested in this topic because of my own personal journey after having kids. And I know you haven't had kids and I'm curious to know like what sparked your interest in this, in this topic and what made you dive in? Yeah. So it, it sort of started with, um, when I was started to see a lot more women who were pre and postpartum. And so about seven years ago is when I really knew that I wanted to focus my, my practice on seeing women who were preparing for birth and then recovering from birth afterwards. So naturally I just started seeing more and more people coming in who after helping them, you know, prep for birth afterwards, they were coming back to see me and now wanted some more help with their core. And, you know, initially it was all about pelvic floor work because that's kind of what we, I am and what you are, it's, it's pelvic floor therapist. So I would spend a lot of time on that, but they were continually asking, what can they do for their core, for their abdomen? And, um, how can they get that stronger? And I was able to give whatever I knew and I could help them to that degree. But I noticed that what I was doing just wasn't enough and it wasn't really helping them get to where they needed to be. And then I went on my own journey to learn about diastasis as much as I could. And every time I, I sort of learned more, I just became even more um, interested in it, passionate about it. I just, you know, I was compelled to continue learning about it. And so, and then I would take that and I would go back to my clients and kind of help them with the new stuff that I've been learning and continue to apply it. And then just even then, even after I had taken so many courses on, on diocese, like whatever I knew was out there, I was taking it. But even then I still really felt that things were incomplete in my understanding of it. So that's when I kind of realized, you know what, I need to I need to kind of go in and figure things out even deeper. And since there wasn't a lot of research on diastasis, and really there still isn't, a lot of my um, I guess approach has come from looking into other aspects of of rehabilitation. So abdominal wall rehabilitation, exercise physiology, just uh, rehabilitation principles and kind of trying to apply everything into the core and see how that all fits in with diastasis and then also getting whatever research I have to back what I'm saying up. And so essentially what happened was I just started to um, learn a lot about diastasis through my own interest and apply it with my patients. And I, it just, it's a never ending evolving process. And, and that's where it sort of led me to where I am today. So it's just, it's just been something that I've been like called to do and, and that I love learning about. Yeah. Well, you do a great job and, and we're going to get to it a bit later in the episode. I want you to tell people kind of some of the things you're working on, like some online programming. And I know one of the first things you put out was um, a course for care providers that work with like fitness professionals and physiotherapists that work with clients with diastasis. And I myself have been working through it. And, and, and like we were talking about before I hit record, I, I would say a lot of the information is, is a review, but I think you've done, a, and it, I've still learned so much just in the way that you've presented it and how you've taken the research and kind of helped me like, oh, well, that's why that makes sense. Or that's why I see that. 
or, oh, maybe that's old thinking. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it later, but I think that, um, that's definitely one of the reasons I wanted to reach out is because I, I can see that you, you have really taken a dive into this and, and you're doing a really good job of helping women understand it. And can we start with the most basic question? Like, you know, if someone, I, I get a lot of clients that come in and just say, my abs are splitting, or I've been reading about this. Like, do, what do I have? Do I have a hernia or do I have like this ab separation? So what would be your answer? What do you say when someone says, okay, what is diastasis? Well, yeah. So when someone comes in and they ask me a question, like what is diastasis? Um, I, I will give them the sort of traditional answer, but then I'll sort of expand on it because they sort of likely know a little bit about the condition. Um, and so I want to meet them where they're at and mm -hmm. then kind of build from that, from what they already know. So I would say something around along the lines of, well, what is diastasis? Diastasis simply means that the space between the rectus abdominis muscle has now increased. Usually it's due to pregnancy. There are other reasons why that happens, but the linea alba that happens to be in between the two rectus six pack muscles in the front, um, that linea alba becomes thinner and wider from pregnancy due to stretching um, to accommodate the baby. So that's essentially what diastasis is, diastasis rectus abdominis. It's widening of the rectus abdominis. But when we sort of take it a little further, um, it's important to just realize that yes, you may have a space in, in the midline that is wider than what it was before, but that's also one, just one aspect of what occurred in pregnancy. The other thing to consider is that the whole abdomen had also stretched out in pregnancy. So all the muscles around the sides, all, even the muscles in the front, the rectus itself became thinner and wider and stretched out as well. And so what that leads to afterwards, it are a number of different, I guess, symptoms and or presentations. And sometimes it, sometimes what you might be experiencing actually is because of the linea alba, but most of the time, what you might be coming in with and what you're describing to me is, is often related to a combination of, of factors, including that muscle weakness and connective tissue thinning from the whole abdominal wall, not just the widening of the linea alba. Exactly. And I think that that's, I think that you can just kind of see, um, a weight lifted off their shoulders when they understand, Oh, I always describe it as like, look at your, look at your body changing during pregnancy. Look at how you've stretched. Do you see how even like the sides are different? You see how your ribs feel different. We talk about the pelvic floor and the pelvis. And I just kind of describe like, we have to stretch and accommodate and like, look at how cool our body can create this space and create this stretch so that, you know, that we can accommodate that growing baby. And, um, it just so happens that that's one of the places that we stretch the most. Right. And so I think that it helps them to understand. And that, I think that that kind of leads me to what I talk about next with people is that it's quite natural and normal for everyone to go through that to some extent. And so can you speak to that a little bit? Just, you know, you know, when people say you'll, you'll often hear, oh my gosh, like my friend Sally got it, but Jane said she didn't. And you know, speak to that. How does this affect women in general yeah, during pregnancy? So, yeah. Well, in pregnancy, it's almost a given that it exactly. will happen. 
-hmm. for everyone it and that is also supported by research the 100% of women by their third trimester will have some degree of linear alba widening now the question is why uh, and so it's because the, the body is accommodating a growing baby the whole abdomen is being mm -hmm. stretched out to accommodate the growing baby so when um when you're pregnant it's natural to experience lengthening of the whole abdominal wall just because of the fact that you're pregnant mm -hmm. so you know it's it's not something to fear it, it is natural to the abdominal wall it's natural to the body for stretching to occur in pregnancy just as it's sort of natural for the cervix to dilate during during delivery um, and, and during birthing. So it's a natural process. It isn't anything to fear. And so afterwards, what that means is since we know that in pregnancy, a lot of the whole abdomen got sort of stretched out because there was a baby inside kind of pressing on it and, and just growing. And so what that means is afterwards, we want to focus on on basically everything that we see there. It could be all of the abdominal muscles or certain ones that we think might need a little bit more help than others. Um, and just restoring that strength and function back into those muscles that were affected. I think primarily what we used to do is just kind of look at the space in between the rectus and really target our management on reducing that space, thinking that that's going to resolve issues. But really it when we're again, if we go back to what happened in pregnancy, if it's the whole abdominal wall, when we work on all of those abdominal muscles and tissues, then we notice that actually that helps to improve that that linea alba, but it also helps to improve the symptoms and the weakness and and the the core issues that are that that are at play. Yeah, I wonder if we back up to pregnancy again for a second and talk about because the the last episode or a couple episodes ago, I talked with another pelvic health physio about the benefits to seeing someone during pregnancy. And of course we touched on diastasis briefly, but I think this might be a good time to talk in a little bit more detail about, so given that we know that, you know, the body's accommodating a growing baby and that we are having some stretch through the tissues, what kinds of things can women do? Because I think, you know, you'll hear a lot of messaging around, like, this is what you can do to stop diastasis or wear this band to stop the stretch. And, and we know that that's not possible. Plus it's a good thing that this is happening. Um, but maybe we can speak a little bit to what kinds of things can we do as therapists to help people, um, manage the change that their body's going through. And I would, I always say like, you're not going to necessarily prevent any diastasis from happening, but staying proactive, understanding what things you can do to support your body and how you're going to carry that into postpartum recovery. So maybe let's talk about a few of the things that you would recommend that, that women do during pregnancy just to, I would guess, I don't know, minimize the long-term effects or address it. Yeah. Well, I think we need to just kind of first start off by acknowledging we don't have a lot of research right now, even regarding what we can do to prevent it, mm -hmm. and if it's even possible. Mm -hmm. So the notion that things like diastasis can be prevented, it's just at this point not substantiated by mm -hmm. research. We do need to be careful about that, and, and we can sort of dispel that whenever we see it. Um, but what can we do then instead when, when we're pregnant? What are some of the things we can do? Well, in my view, what we can work on is 
either improving or maintaining the strength and the function of the whole abdomen, because we know that pregnancy affects the whole abdomen. So working on building the strength of those muscles, keeping them strong through a pregnancy, just in my view, will help to support the weight of the baby. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that how much stretching occurs in pregnancy, it will determine what will what you might end up with afterwards. Because even some individuals who've had, let's say, twin pregnancies, postpartum, they're, they're okay, you know, relatively speaking, they're okay. Um, and they, they don't have a lot of that distension. So we need to be sort of careful in how we sort of word things. But in general, what I would recommend, and what I do recommend with my own clients is basically, let's work on strengthening and maintaining that strength of the abdominal muscles throughout the whole pregnancy so that as the baby is growing your abdominal wall is able to support the weight of the baby and the changes that are occurring that and will occur for the remainder of that pregnancy um and including the inner core muscles like the pelvic floor the diaphragm and the transverse abdominis but also including muscles like the rectus abdominis and the oblique so again looking at maintaining the strength and function of the whole abdomen um and then there is the question of should i wear like a belly band or some sort of support in pregnancy again we don't have research right now that'll that supports the idea that if you wear this you will absolutely have less um less distension afterwards less linear elbow widening afterwards but I do think wearing some kind of abdominal support, like some sort of gentle compression garment will help uh, at least provide the abdominal wall. If we're noticing that there, there there's feels, it seems like there's a lot of weight and heaviness in the abdomen. So it, there's a weakness that's there. I do feel that wearing some kind of abdominal support can help in those instances, not necessarily for preventative purposes, but just for um, support and comfort. And but I do also want to make note that there's probably a group of women that have had, you know, one, they've gone through one pregnancy and now they're on to their second or subsequent pregnancy, second, third, fourth, et cetera. And, you know, these are, there will be times where some of these people will explain that my abdomen is growing faster and my, my belly is showing more. It's showing earlier. I'm feeling heavier much sooner. I look like I'm six months pregnant, but I'm only three months pregnant. So we know that what's happening here is most likely the tissues are being um, lengthened potentially faster than what they did in the first pregnancy. And maybe the status of those tissues and muscles are also in a different state. So it's easier for them to become more stretched out under pressure. So in this case, I would definitely still recommend the strengthening exercises and just a general strengthening program. But I would especially recommend some kind of abdominal support for these women, again, for that comfort, because they'll often feel very uncomfortable, you know, just even in standing. But potentially in this case, it, it might be a little bit protective of additional stretching of the abdominal wall. We already know that it's going further and faster than what it did in the first. So it might help around that, but these are just based on my own, um, just my own reasoning behind why I think it's important rather than evidence, which we don't have research totally. around. And I think that I can speak to that myself. I definitely was that person. And I found that 
my abdominal muscles felt like they could work better when I had uh, a support band on just it gave the comfort and it gave some yeah. of that compression. So I found that my exercise was more successful and I was able to target what I was looking for. And I think that that's what I described to my clients is like, just based on the fact that your body's changing so much, those muscles don't really feel like they're at an advantage. They don't, they're not working like you're used to them working, they're changing. And sometimes, you know, we need to kind of focus a little bit more on them during pregnancy to help them. I always tell people to think of their body as a friend, their pregnant body as a friend in need, and that you just need to give it a little bit more help or encouragement during your exercise. And I wonder if we could cover then, because it's really common in pregnancy to hear, hear the terms coning or doming and women are afraid to, to see that. And so that's something that we would, we, we would take into account as a therapist. I would watch like how you're moving or how you're exercising and be able to speak to, I, I describe that coning or doming as pressure coming out the point of least resistance. Like that's where you've had some stretch and some accommodation and that pressure has to go somewhere. And so again, you're, you're working with a different body right now. And so learning how to use your muscles in a way that, that can hold back some of that pressure or using how to use your breath. And, um, sometimes I think that that support belt can really help with, I find with feedback or distributing that pressure in a different way. So I wonder if you can speak to, because I think you're going to say the same thing that the research doesn't say that if you see, because I think people get fear coning or doming, oh my gosh, I am making it worse. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to that a little bit and just, um, you know, your advice to women around coning or doming first, just during pregnancy? In pregnancy, yeah. In pregnancy I, first, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a different conversation for what what doming means in pregnancy compared to afterwards. Yeah. So I think in pregnancy, um, you know, the way I see it is that we want to minimize how much stretch the tissues are experiencing at any given point in time. So when we're talking about the pregnant, I guess, period, we know that the tissues are being stretched out beyond what they are normally stretched out. So mm -hmm. now when we see doming in pregnancy and now we see there's a part of the, the abdomen, the linea alba that's going even beyond what it is even it, what it's even like just during rest mm -hmm. in pregnancy, it's going beyond that. So now I would actually say that this is stretching further and and putting a little bit more stress and strain on those tissues so in pregnancy i do i do recommend minimizing the amount of time that we do exercises or activities where there is doming mm -hmm. and so yeah just to i guess back off and back up and explain that doming yes it is that pressure underneath and we just see it we see it there because there is a bit more space there for us to be able to view that there's now pressure but the pressure was going to be there regardless there your the pressure is just a sign that your core is working it's producing the pressure that it needs in that moment to do the task that you're doing and we just are able to see it now so it's not that pressure is bad mm -hmm. we and a lot of times i do find that you know pressure in general can be demonized and and can there can be a lot of fear around doming because of the pressure but i think if we just look at it from a tissue stretching standpoint it's we're trying to minimize how much time those tissues are under full stretch mm -hmm. because Honestly, even if they are under full stretch and, and maybe 
um, at, after some point of time, having tissues that are under full stretched, under full stretch for after a period of time, the tissues can then potentially adapt. And so there's this process that happens where then they may adapt, they may then thin out. And so we might have some straining of the tissues if there's enough pressure and for a long enough period of time. But so that's why if you see doming once, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't put a lot of fear around that, but I think it's important to know that if the, if it's repeatedly doing that over and over and over, then there's potential for those tissues to continue down that path and stretch even more. Um, and so we can minimize that by just being aware of the times that it comes and just learning the strategies like you were talking about, using your breath, maybe engaging your core, engaging your pelvic floor, maybe doing the exercise a little bit differently or the, the movement a little bit differently so that we don't see a lot of that. And I think that's basically all we can do for doming is just be aware of it, not be afraid of it, um, and just try to minimize it in, in the pregnancy period. Yeah. Perfect. So I think that that kind of summarizes, you know, um, you know, things that you can do or things a therapist would work with you to just kind of start addressing it and, and knowing how to carry this over is basically like through exercise and movement, understanding like when a, when a belt or support band might be helpful and then yeah, things like posture and breathing and, and just, you know, being mindful of how to work with your body and how it's changing. So I think that's great. And I'm curious now if we move to postpartum, so now that baby comes out, whether it be C-section or vaginal birth, baby comes out. And I think that it's understandable that there's a period of time where, I mean, obviously our body's healing and our body's restructuring, but can we speak a little bit to, okay, baby comes out and what's happening with the linea alba now? Okay. Early postpartum period. Yeah. So after the baby has been born into the world so now we are um kind of left to see what the abdominal wall the abdomen the core what it what it's like now and and what it will look like will be very different from person to person and so and that again comes down to the fact that everyone will have their own level of connective tissue stretching, muscle weakening, and then there's genetic component as well. So everyone will look different. You know, postpartum, you might have, you might have something called a mummy pooch. You know, it's where we see a little bit more roundedness distension in the lower abdomen, maybe in the middle abdomen, where the abdomen sort of coming out and potentially like sort of hanging a little lower. You could also have maybe not that classic mummy pooch, but you could have a situation where the abdomen in general is a bit more rounded. And or you could have, um, you know, a, a presentation where the abdomen itself isn't very distended outwards, but there is a noticeable gap in between. And you might also have someone who doesn't have as, as wide of a linea alba and, and things actually don't look that different compared to before being pregnant, but there's a sense of weakness. There's, there's, there are issues and in, in, in difficulty in being able to do just the tasks that they're, they're, they're having to do during their day. So there's a sense of weakness and vulnerability there. So you can have all of these different things and then everything in between as well in the postpartum period. And again, it's because of a combination of factors and not just because there's a widened linea alba. So in the postpartum period, we do know that the 
there will by the third trimester we know that 100 percent of women will have some amount of diastasis or widening of lineal so that will transfer over into the immediate postpartum period and so we know that it's pretty much a given that you know after delivery there will be some amount of that still remaining what's important to note is that if we do nothing, if, if we just let the body sort of take care of itself for the period of, let's say, one year postpartum, that a lot of resolution, natural resolution of these tissues actually occurs. And we see that the linea alba begins to be, become more narrow and, and become less, um, well, really, it's that the, the, the amount of space between the rectus becomes de reduced. And that happens naturally over the course of a year. So, and that's without us doing anything. And that's so similar to any other kind of injury or tissue right. trauma in our body too, right? I think yes. that like to see there's so many parallels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love having that parallel and, and being able to compare it because it just puts things into context yeah. in, in diastasis. And so we see that things naturally resolve um, and the muscles start to improve as well without us really doing a lot. But now, not everyone will just resolve naturally completely, you know, without doing specific exercises. So I would really, you know, promote and advocate the use of a progressive strengthening program, you know, starting with gentle and sort of connection style exercises where you're just connecting to your deep core muscles and then you're working on building them and strengthening them and that including all the other muscles of the abdomen and, and then just continually progressing those muscles over a period of time to maybe facilitate the changes that are already happening, maybe allow them to occur a little bit faster um, and just to sort of help that process along. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's so beneficial, you know, working with someone during pregnancy is this isn't a new concept. I think that people, you know, when you come out of it, kind of understanding, yeah, my whole abdomen has changed. That's normal. Uh, no wonder I look different and feel different after this was expected. I was anticipating this. Yes, I've got a space between my abdominal muscles, but everything is different. And let me just help that body kind of reconnect the dots. And I, I'm a huge advocate. I see lots of women during pregnancy and I love to follow them. As I always say, as soon as you're ready, postpartum, let's start talking about some gentle things you can be doing. And, and I, I lay that out in, in my postpartum program is like, let's just start with breathing and connecting those muscles because they feel a little bit out to lunch now sometimes. And they're just not providing you with the same feedback or strength that you're used to. And then, like you said, start progressing. And I wonder when, like, what would you say then? Um, and I think a lot of this can be learned from some people have some great online programs. And I, I know that again, we're going to touch on that. I know that's just something that you're putting out in the, in the near future yourself, but I wonder if you can touch on then the benefits of working with someone. And I think, you know, that's different for everybody, but the, the, the benefits of working with someone one-on-one -on -one after would be what? <laughs> well, how long of a podcast do you want to make this? But, you know, the benefits are just, you know, endless and infinite because when you see someone in person or just one-on-one, -on -one, even if it's a consultation, you know, then that person will be able to assess what really it is that you need. Because, you know, there are exercises that are helpful and 
everybody, you know, may find some, some benefit in doing the exercises, but sometimes it's how you're doing them and the techniques involved and, you know, trying to, let's say work on, um, let's say, for example, that core breath that we, we typically start in the first, you know, in, immediately postpartum and maybe people have learned it even before that in pregnancy but there's there are techniques to that and just to say someone okay to someone engage your core that means something different for everybody mm -hmm. so learning what it is that you need to be able to engage and to connect with your core and some some exercises might be a little too intense maybe for you and some exercises might be a little too gentle for you so when you work with someone you're able to find the ones that are right for you the ones that will challenge you enough that you can handle that aren't too challenging where you're just unable to control your whole body and so when you kind of work in that sort of sweet spot then you see the you really get the most out of that exercise so it can really make what you're doing even more effective and you know when it comes to seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist, naturally we will be able to assess internally. So when we go back to one of the functions of the core is to sort of produce that pressure and contain pressure, and we'll see pressure in different ways. Sometimes it's through the linea alba, but sometimes we see it also in the pelvic floor. Um, and we may notice that whether if someone has prolapse, if we may notice that there, there is an effect of the exercise on that prolapse due to the pressure and how it's being managed. So internally, we're able to see what you're doing with that pressure during certain exercises. If it's if you're using strategies that sort of bear down and then if you sort of repeat that time and time again, that could lead to issues down the, the line. It may or may not, but it, it's but there's a possibility that it could be contributing to some of your symptoms as well. So just getting that individual customized feedback and assessment is so priceless and invaluable simply because at least it'll set you off in the right path for what you need. Totally. And I think it brings, um, I think, I think it's great that women are hearing more about this, but as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's, oh my gosh, I don't have time to think of all these things because we've even touched on the fact that your diastasis is related to your other abdominal muscles, like your obliques, your six pack muscles, your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, your transverse abdominus, your posture. And that sounds overwhelming, but I think that you notice when you work with someone that it can be some of the simplest little things that go so far. And what I mean by that is it might be something as simple as I had a girl come in yesterday and, and, um, you could see just by looking at her that she tended to use a lot of her obliques in her abdominal wall. Like they were a bit bossy and some of the other ones were just struggling to keep up. So you could see that she was getting, she was getting doming at a certain area and that was stressing her. I, I don't want to do curl ups. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm like notice when you think about breathing this way. And when you think about engaging slightly different, do you see what that does? Oh my gosh, it took it away. And so I think something as simple as you're doing, you have the right idea. You just need to kind of tweak this little thing. And you've exact, you, you've kind of covered all of those points. Like you've talked about their pelvic floor, their diaphragm, um, their obliques in, in one single sentence. And I think sometimes it sounds like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go for 12 sessions mm -hmm. to cover all this. But sometimes it's as simple as one little thing can make the biggest difference 
for you to start with. And, and so I think that's a, an important takeaway that it doesn't need to be overwhelming. It's not always a big, huge journey and you can make that journey and you can see someone as many times as you want, or I feel like that you need. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so then I think you, we've kind of touched on it, but maybe we'll just mention one more time. Cause I think that the main focus is my gap. How big is my gap? Am I moving from three? Have I moved from three fingers to two fingers yet? And when will that be healed? Um, is, is a lot of, you know, the questions that we get, let's speak to the gap and how in some ways irrelevant it is. Right. <laughs> so that, that is the difficulty in, in sort of this time in, in this age and and this time that we're in right now with diastasis is because we we have previously we have been putting a lot of emphasis on the gap and now we're starting to realize that the gap may not really have too many implications for function and strength i mean we do have correlations that have been brought out through research um, and so, but we, we could talk about how sometimes the research is only looking at the one thing and not really the whole abdominal wall and, and stuff like that. But there has been a shift in how we're approaching diastasis and we're kind of taking this more global look and global perspective on it now. So right now, because there's been a rise in awareness of diastasis and of the core, which is fantastic, which is what we need now it's, I think what we need to do is just continue on that that path and educate people on what the gap means and what it doesn't mean what what happens um what you can expect to happen as you are doing exercises what may not happen and all the other things that could happen instead um and to keep those on your radar as well because you know when you see things that are improving in other areas then you you realize that there has been improvement so in terms of the gap the size of the gap what does that mean you know, at this point, we, we don't know if it really means a lot in terms of function. So when someone asks, when is this going to go from a three finger to a two finger? Well, it's a, it's, it is a loaded question because it will, it will depend on a lot of factors. What we need to do to influence the linea alba is essentially provide the linea alba with some kind of stimulus that will kind of trigger that, that body natural body adaptation process that is within all of us that we see in muscles as well if you go to a a gym and you're lifting weights and you're doing something consistently then we'll see changes to those muscles so we've provided some kind of stimulus for there to be a need for changes to occur and then in the linea alba it's the same kind of process except the linea alba isn't something we contract actively we don't you it's not a muscle it is non-contractile tissue so it essentially is something that receives that stimulus, that load through using the muscles around it. And so every time we use the muscles around it, AKA all of them, all of the abdominal muscles, then we are providing loads in one way or another to the linea alba, which can then lead to changes in the linea alba. So it's not simple when um, we're being asked, when will this happen? Because if we're looking at what the linea alba actually is, it is connective tissue. It's it's a form of connective tissue. So we know that changes to connective tissue, do, they do take time. They don't happen as quickly as changes to the muscles. 
muscles can pretty much become stronger within a few months, but connective tissue can take upwards of 18 months. So someone can easily be doing exercises for six months and still not see changes in the linea alba. And they'll go back and they'll measure to, it's still three fingers, it hasn't changed. Um, and it doesn't mean actually that they're doing anything wrong. It simply means that, you know, we might just need to keep going with this process and continue that loading and progressively challenging the whole system to keep adding load to the Nalini Alba to provide the stimulus it needs. So connective tissue takes a while. And so that's why at the onset, it's kind of important just for us as professionals, but I also know that even even moms right now are listening and trying to understand how to kind of make make sense of all of this. Um, but it's a, there are so many other things that occur once you begin strengthening the, the core and sort of gl globally, you will start to definitely become and feel stronger. You might notice changes within the muscles themselves, like a change in the tone and the definition of the muscles and a change in how strong you feel, your ability to do things like lift your kid, lift up the car seat. Um, you might also start noticing a change maybe in the overall circumference of your abdomen. And so there are lots of other things that could change before you see changes in your linea alba. And that's why if you just take a step back and kind of keep your, your radar on for all the other things that could potentially happen, that way you are at least able to recognize and acknowledge all the other things that are changing and improving along the way. So that whenever you go back to your linea alba and you notice that things haven't changed, because that could happen, where the change in, in what you're measuring right now, it, that could happen a little bit later, but at least you're able to see all the other things that are potentially improving through that process. And so if we were to put an even more specific answer, because that was kind of like long-winded, but if we were to put a really specific um, time frame on that, it's it really will come down individually to the person and how much connective tissue thinning we are dealing with at the onset, how much work is needed, um, and so we could say anywhere from like six months to 24 months, you know, around 18 months is kind of when we start considering potentially if, if no changes have happened, that's sort of when we could start looking at other options, potentially surgery. But if nothing has changed, you know, at six months, I still think it's way too early to say that nothing will change because of nothing has changed yet. We we have to keep going with that. And, and so we do need to extend our time frame to take into account that we're dealing with a particular type of tissue that is something that takes longer to change, make changes to. And isn't it important to note too, though, that like that tissue, you might never have, you're never necessarily going to have that space you had before you had a pregnancy. And I think the ultimate goal is not that you're seeking for a certain distance between your six pack muscles. Like the ultimate goal is more that you have the strength that you're looking for, that you're able to do what you want to do, uh, can, you know, trust your body and that you're able to achieve your goals without symptoms more than, more than a distance. Correct. hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. when, when you're wondering, okay, um, Okay, so now I've got three fingers. So when is it going to get to two? Or I think what I would want you to ask yourself is what does it mean to mm -hmm. you to have a two finger 
the gap. What, what do you think that will do for you? What are you hoping for will be the outcome or the result once you are there? And most of the time, it comes down to a combination of things such as I want to be able to feel strong again. I want to go back to running. I want to go back to um, CrossFit or whatever exercise or activity that I used to do and that I love doing and that I need for my mental health and for my physical health and that I'm not doing anymore um, because I still have three finger a three finger gap. And so by having a reduced gap, it's going to let me get there. Or it could be having a reduced gap means I'm going to start looking better in my clothes, that my, my stomach is going to start pulling in more. So I'm going to have that flatter stomach that I want. It's going to help the aesthetics of it. So it, it usually comes down to either the strength and function element, or it could be the aesthetic element as well. And so what we can at least say confidently now that closing the gap, let's say if it's a three finger down to two finger, just if you can actually consider how much you know, space or width we're talking about, we're talking about potentially one centimeter. So a change in a centimeter in the front of your abdomen really isn't going to make a big change in the overall circumference and the overall distension. But what will change that is a changes in the muscles and the tissues in general for the whole abdomen. So that's why, again, we take a global look at it, look at what we can do for the whole core. Um, and that's when you'll start seeing, again, all the stuff that we talked about, the potential changes there in the tone, the definition, the strength, your ability to connect with your muscles and use them and access them. And, and all of that can change. Um, so just go back to, to your why. Why do you want this to change? And most likely you can, you can work towards those goals and actually re remove the linea alba piece from that. And, mm -hmm. and you'll see that we, it, there's more of a clear path from just strengthening the core to what you're, you're wanting. Exactly. Cause I think a lot of people tie, like my diastasis will be healed when my gap goes away. And I think that, I think we've kind of come full, full circle and, and kind of pointed out that you know, you know, don't, almost don't give it too much credit in some ways, or don't put too much on it because it is part of a huge picture. And, yeah. and sometimes at the end of the day, like you're just, our bodies are not going to be identical after we have pregnancies. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're broken. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and you know what, if I can just mention one more yeah. thing regarding this, it's, it's just because we've come so far from what we used to think about diastasis. So right now it's natural for um, people to assume that things are healed once we have a reduced space. And so they're hoping to get to that point. It's just from the different way we used to look at diastasis, a different paradigm. And we're kind of outside of that paradigm now. And what we're kind of doing in this conversation is kind of sort of bridging that gap and explaining how it, it, we're, we're moving away from looking at it in, in that specific kind of perspective. Absolutely. I can't help but go and ask just because this is going to segue nicely into my next episode with Lisa. Can we talk about when PT, like when physical therapy and, and working on all the rehab just isn't enough? Because this has been my personal journey. Actually, I have done right from, I had massive bellies. I, ha I had obvious coning and doming throughout my pregnancy. I did everything. I did the breathing. I did the core work. I wore the band. Um, I, I had a massive diastasis and I did everything from day one after to, I, I addressed all the things that we've been talking about. And I've always been 
proud of what my body has done. Um, I have, I can do a lot. I can run, I can lift weights, I can swim. And my gap is my gap is big. I can control my gap. But at the end of the day, I've hit the point where I've plateaued and I can't get the results that I'm looking for. Not for me so much aesthetically, but more, um, I've plateaued. I can't push my body any farther. And so I wonder if you can speak a little bit to, um, everybody's journey is different. And by no, I was hesitant to share my journey because I was really worried that me saying I I'm a physio and I've done all of this and I couldn't fix it. Like I couldn't, um, I couldn't address it. And I didn't want the message to be, um, all people have significant diastasis and all diastasis needs surgery. I was hesitant to kind of create that message. So I wonder if you could speak to that. Like, when do you tell your clients, at what point would you say to them, if they're asking you, Manira, do I need surgery? Or, you know, how do you, how do you broach that with people? Yeah. Yeah. Surgery is a huge topic. And it is also something that is demonized as well, I find, um, which is, to me, it's unfortunate because so many people need it mm-hmm. and and want it, not even need it, but some of them also just want it because it'll get them to their own goals faster. And so in terms of um, the whole spectrum of treatment or management for diastasis. You know, we've got conservative treatment, which is uh, usually a, it involves a strengthening program. And if we kind of take even a step further than that, we look into other factors such as um, just sort of lifestyle factors and daily habits and are regarding things like diet, nutrition, uh, stress, sleep, and, and all of those things which can help or hinder the connective tissue and rebuilding process, which usually occurs when you're not even exercising. So just setting the stage internally. So, but then on the other end of the spectrum, we do have surgery. And then um, you will certainly have, you will certainly hear and read about things that will promote exercise as the only option, but you'll also see the same for surgery where it says that surgery is the only option. And so it's like, we've got these two kind of polarizing camps sometimes. And so I think rather than living in the extremes, exactly what you mentioned is everyone is different. Everybody who who is, you know, look, working on their core has their own specific goals and their own reasons why they're working on it. They want to do something about it. And also, as we've alluded to earlier, the process can be a long one. And so if we have gone through that process and we have really adequately provided enough load to create change in the tissues and have done it for a long enough period of time. So enough load, meaning if you go to the gym and you're able to lift, let's say you're thinking about lifting bicep curls and you're able to lift 50 pounds and you go and um, you lift 51 pounds. Now you're challenging yourself. But if you go and you lift two pounds, then um, you're not providing enough load. So if you're constantly kind of meeting your body where it's at and just kind of challenging it and continuing on and on with that, then you've done it for at least 18 months and you still are not at where you want to be, then surgery might be something to consider. And then if that just seems like way too much time, then what I would recommend is, you know, 
if you want to get there faster, then you can certainly explore surgery a little bit faster uh, sooner as well. So it could happen at six months if you want to. I still recommend it should be a minimum of a year. So what I have done in the course is really laid out a framework of exercise progressions that can be done for any presentation of diastasis and have also provided the principles behind it and then have also provided the research behind the principles. So it just empowers you to and, and for you to feel confident in being able to help your clients even more thoroughly and just in being able to get them to where they want to be a bit faster and in a way that's also evidence-based yeah. so that you can explain to them that this is this is what we're doing and why and you have that knowledge base because i think there was a, a big gap there in in the knowledge piece of it and then for those who are for, uh, I, I for the record i highly recommend that course to anyone that's listening it's, a, it's an excellent course go ahead so much yeah um and so regarding if like if you are a mom and you are kind of struggling with your core and you you have diastasis you're trying to figure out what to do maybe you've reached a plateau in your own pro like progress and you've seen other people and and you just don't know how to go further um and maybe you're all you've also had some some consults potentially with surgeons and and you're kind of exploring that route but you're not sure if you can do more so i have a program that is coming out shortly i mean depending on when this airs, but there should be a program out by the end of April of 2021. And it will, I will guide you through that strengthening process. It'll be an educational program. There will be lessons and, and just education pieces. It'll, but it will also be an exercise based program as well, where I'll guide you through exercises. And just like in my course for professionals, in the program itself, it is something that rather than just being a one and done it's something that it'll give you the knowledge and the tools so that even after you've done these kinds of exercises you know how to go further mm -hmm. how to challenge yourself more because like we've talked about these things take time it could even be 18 months so you'll want to continually challenge yourself and what you're currently capable of doing right now it's going to be different from person to person depending on your fitness levels and your comfort uh, with fitness and certain exercises so that's what my program is for and then last but not least, I am currently working on a program. If one does decide to go through surgery, there's a lot of, oh, I guess there really is a lack of information on, on how to rehabilitate the core after a surgery. So um, I'm working with a amazing um, personal trainer named Lisa, and we're combining both our the rehab and the fitness experience that both of us bring, and we're combining it together to offer a range of, I guess, programs, depending on what you're looking for, but it'll start with just rehabilitating the core and the abdomen post-surgery. But then if you're looking to do more, if you want to get back to doing things like running and or weightlifting and or any other thing, we have that as well. So it'll cover the full spectrum for after surgery. Awesome. So those are the three things that are currently going on. Awesome. Well, that's great. I look forward to sharing those when y'all I'll put links to your website and obviously people can find you on Instagram too. I'll link that you have excellent information all geared towards diastasis and I'll make sure I link that in the show notes and yeah, I can't thank you enough. Any, oh, any last, you. any last messages you want to put across? I think we've covered the main things that I wanted to, and 
yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, I, I will just end off by saying that um, it's, it's better to focus on strengthening and not focus on the gap. And that's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and have taken something valuable away. Please take the time to rate and review the podcast. And if you'd like more information about my online program to support women during pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, check out my website, mommyberries.com. I'll see you next time.